the CXM experience. It's back again every day. It's the CXM experience. And today, um, your host is going to be me, Greg Kahn, CXO, Chief Experience Officer at Sprinkler. And I'm super excited to be here today because I'm going to talk about one of my most interesting, one of my most favorite, uh, one of the, my most passionate things, which is human self-interest and the motivation it drives to buy it is like that is the the golden ticket to figuring out how to make people tick and so uh, i've uh, always been really super duper interested in it so that's what we're going to talk about today i do have a quick little uh, housekeeping note which is apparently i've been making a grammatical construction error on a frequent basis to the point that some people were actually getting almost incredibly irritated by it so i think i've been saying instead of there are many people who love this show. I've been saying there's many people who love this show. And I don't exactly know when I picked that up. That's an odd contraction. It is, of course, completely incorrect because that would mean I'm essentially saying there is many people who enjoy this show. And that's, that's terrible. And it just so happens that today is National Grammar Day. And on National Grammar Day, you didn't know that, right? Yeah. So I'm recording the show today, which is the 4th of March. It is National Grammar Day. It's also supposed to be the re-inauguration of Donald Trump. And it's already 2 p.m. and we haven't seen anything happen yet. So, But we'll do the QAnon wrap-up show tomorrow. Um, anyway, so uh, National Grammar Day, I am, I'm kind of coming out. If I say there's a lot of people, I'm going to try to correct myself when I hear myself say it. But you're more than welcome to also correct me and keep me on the straight and narrow when it comes to grammar. All right, let's talk about self-interest. So, you know, human beings are ultimately motivated, deeply motivated by self-interest. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. That sounds, that often sounds like, oh, you know, if only we didn't have to be. Um, and we actually experimented for nearly a century uh, with a form of government, communism, where we attempted to deny self-interest. And, you know, it, it did not work out. Uh, Self-interest driven systems are effective systems. And particularly when you get aligned self-interest and you can get two people who both have interests in common through the accomplishment of a certain task. And I think part of it, and this is where I think people think of self-interest as selfish, right? So that's where it's often seen as a bad word. But in my opinion, it's driven by this very present issue that all humans struggle with, which is our own awareness of our own mortality. And we don't know if other animals have awareness of their own mortality. Um, the guess is they don't, but we do. There's a imaginary clock ticking on everyone's wall um, with an asterisk, right? The asterisk being clock may not be correct. You know, this is what you're thinking. Or this is what you're planning. But, you know, a piano could fall from the sky 10 seconds from now. And, you know, Bob's your uncle. So, uh, so what does this do, right? So as, as humans, we deal with and manage mortality in lots of different ways. We confront it, you know, with uh, horror and, and we actually will consume a fairly significant amount of content that has to do with death. 
um, you know, murder shows and doctor shows. Like if you actually think about all the stuff we're watching on TV, a lot of it's got a very strong death or mortality component to it. Uh, the second thing we do is we um, just ignore it. Just pretend, you know, I don't need to worry about that. And it's, I'll just worry about that when I worry about it. And, and then often in times like that, behave in a way that speeds up uh, our own mortality, uh, which is always, I think, quite, quite interesting. Uh, or, you know, we, we embrace it and, uh, and think about our life in terms of seconds remaining. I know a number of people who do this, who actually have a literal countdown and in every second of the day, they're trying to make the most of every moment they have. Um, that sounds exhausting, but anyway, that's, that's another approach that can work as well. My approach is I like to talk about it all the time. Right. And I think that that makes, creates awareness. Um, but also helps me not be like, you know, too obsessed with it in the dark moments. And so, so who's done a really good job on this? You know, and, and I would, I would posit that Apple is a brilliant marketer against this whole issue of mortality because they focus so much on creative and creation and um, memories and you know creating legacy uh, and because humans do seek to have left behind something uh, we do want to know that we mattered that our time here was not ill-spent that we made a difference that there's a memory of us uh, and that we don't just come and go without anyone noticing and so creative and creation and all the things that are exploding. I mean, one of the things that I think the internet has unleashed and the web in particular has unleashed is just the idea that you could start a blog tomorrow and start writing stuff, or you can make a comment on something, or you can participate in something. And boy, that, that feeds into a DNA level human desire to be heard, to be noticed, to be important. Um, very, very powerful. And Apple has done a brilliant job of leveraging that. So What's going on right now that might be kind of interesting? Well, I do think that the experience in the COVID vaccine system is super fascinating to me, um, partly because, you know, there's a line for it. And right now you have to be over 65 or have like a serious comorbidity uh, to be able to get in the line and all others need to wait, which I think, you know, People have been pretty good about, and I have noticed a fair amount of public shaming for people that are trying to jump the lines, which is very interesting. Um, it feels a little bit like, um, like kind of like lifeboats, you know. So if you think about how how the lifeboat system works, you know, it's always uh, women and children first, right? Uh, you've all heard that expression, and uh, but what's I think even more interesting is that there's a kind of an implication that's women and children first and until all the women and children are in the lifeboats right uh and then and only then would the sort of men uh, get involved uh and if your ship's crew you know no way no how you don't you don't get to go on that boat and if you're the captain <laughs> hilarious you're not going on any lifeboats now that's not always true right so you do have to have crew on the lifeboats to steer the lifeboat to load the lifeboat, to lower the lifeboat, and all that kind of stuff. So some crew is always on the lifeboats. Uh, and, you know, some, some men do always end up sneaking on. And there's, there's always, there was a bit of a, sort of an askance view of these people that 
what do they think they were doing getting on lifeboat when there were women and children left behind on the boat. Um, this whole concept of the captain going down with the ship is actually a maritime tradition. And the idea is that the sea captain has ultimate responsibility for both the ship and everyone who embarked on it. And so in an emergency, the captain will either save those people on board or die trying. Uh, it's often uh, connected to the sinking of the Titanic in 1912 and uh, the very famous Captain Edward J. Smith, who also is one of the most captain-looking captains ever. With He's got this great white beard. He's like, he says, all captain. But uh, apparently the tradition actually dates back about 11 years before that. So it's not that old a tradition, um, but the idea is that the captain foregoes their own rapid departure of a ship in distress to concentrate on saving other people. And um, in many cases, you know, it gets kind of too late. Uh, what's interesting is that it turns out that this tradition um, actually has now, it has become legal precedent. So I don't know if you remember, but about nine years ago, there was a famous incident with an Italian cruise liner called the Costa Concordia. And the Costa Concordia uh, did a, something called a sail by salute. Uh, and, and this is actually a very interesting little experience, little nugget here, a sail by salute in, um, uh, near an Island called, uh, Giglio. Oh my gosh. I probably said that wrong. Giglio. Giglio. I'll go with that. I'll be corrected by my CRO tomorrow. Um, and they had done this before. Um, but for some reason, this time was a little bit different, struck an underwater rock it partially capsized. It was in reasonably like not very deep water, but partially capsized, rolled onto its starboard side, and 32 people died. Um, many, many of them passengers, uh, some crew, and one salvage person as well. Uh, and the captain was someone named uh, Francesco Chitino. And uh, he was, I don't know if you remember, but he sort of famously uh, left the ship early. And he was like, he was pilloried in the press. And he was called Captain Coward and Captain Calamity. Oh, Captain Calamity actually sounds like a pretty cool name. And there were some, there were some ugly pieces of this too. Um, he was having an extramarital affair with a Moldovian dancer. And she was on the bridge with him while they were doing the sail by salute. So, the, you know, was he distracted or was he doing the sail by salute to try to impress his mistress and... Yeah, he's just a uh, holy shimoli. Um, and of course, uh, you know, of course, his name, Francesco Chitino, has led to the popular expression, uh, boy, you're really Chitino at the bed there. So that's where, you know, it's always interesting where the origin of things come from. Uh, and so uh, what you may not know is that uh, Francesco actually was um, sentenced to prison. Uh, so he went through years of court cases uh, in in 2017, uh, he, he, he appealed a couple of times. And in 2017, the Supreme Court of uh, Cassation uh, upheld his original sentence and he uh, turned himself in. And he got uh, like a 16-year sentence, uh, 10 years for manslaughter, five years for causing the shipwreck, and a year for abandoning his passengers. Uh, other crew who arguably had responsibilities that they did not fulfill um, plea bargained out and plea bargained out in a way that none of them served any time. So he was the only person that served time. And what was interesting is that the, what this did is it basically established a legal precedent uh, for the fact that the captain can't be the first to leave the ship. 
Uh, and I think that's a, it's not no longer just a custom, it's actually a legal precedent. And there was actually um, quite an interesting moment where he actually uh, maintains that he slipped and accidentally fell into a lifeboat. And it's like, all right, it could happen, could happen. And then couldn't get out because it was dark and it was too hard to move out. So he, and then he ended up, you know, become, going to shore in the lifeboat and he was completely dry. Like he didn't even like get a drop of water on him. But there was a, a transcript actually of a recorded conversation between Chitino and the Italian Coast Guard. And uh, they were um, very angry at him. And they repeatedly ordered him to leave the lifeboat and return to the stricken uh, Costa, Cord- uh, Costa Concordia. Um, but uh, and the Coast Guard didn't believe that he had fell into the lifeboat and, then, and they didn't believe that it was too dark. Uh, to get out. And uh, at one point, uh, the Coast Guard was so angry uh, that they told him uh, Vada a Bardo Caso, which is a super insulting thing I just said in Italian. <laughs> but if you don't know Italian, uh, you're not offended. Um, but it, you know, loosely translated is, you know, get the F on board. Uh, so, um, so, that's, so that's kind of interesting. And I think that this whole... Um, lifeboat analogy like where are you going with this grad like <laughs> please take us through the experience so oh okay, yeah and one quick thing just before i leave this story because it was super interesting to read about it and kind of catch up is that this um uh sail by salute which is kind of this maritime custom of going near shores and it's actually part of the cruise experience and because you want to give passengers a really close look at the the shore and you know, the you know, cool, cool islands. Obviously, they do the same thing in Alaska for uh, see, looking at icebergs and stuff like that. And and so, you know, it's interesting that the experience um, sometimes can put things, you know, in danger in sort of pursuit of experience. And I thought that was fascinating. But um, I think we might get into a little bit of a lifeboat situation with, um, with the vaccines. That's kind of where I'm going with this. Right now, everyone's kind of like women and children first, you know, everyone's kind of sort of been lining up and in boarding the um, the lifeboats, you know, very um, very orderly manner, which is great. And in the beginning, I think everyone was okay with that because we all want to make sure that uh, the most vulnerable are protected. That makes a ton of sense. And then, of course, you know, we all have kind of learned how to manage and take care of ourselves so that we we don't get sick if we don't want to. Uh, so that's I think that's pretty good training that we've all had so we're all pretty good there but you know at some point uh, people are going to say wow like i don't want to be the last person to die from covid right and uh, boy and boy that that darn line of women and children is moving really slowly <laughs> and people are going to start trying to cut the line and and i think Part of the challenge is that the health authorities have not been specific enough in their comorbidities. So the comorbidities are reasonably lightly stated, and that means that you can just prove that the word, like autoimmune disease or cancer or um, a high blood pressure or whatever, if you have one of those kinds of comorbidities, that you can get in the line, uh, whether or not you'd really be in actual danger uh, from the disease. And so in that, what that's going to do is it's going to slow down the line of the people who legitimately are at, should be at the front of the line for the vaccine. And so you end up with uh, the line slowing down, 
while people are trying to cut it to speed it up. And there will be lots of interesting tricks and things that people um, employ to try to get in there. And there's a really interesting article, um, the governor of... Governor? Yeah, governor of Florida is in trouble. DeSantis is in trouble because apparently... Um, property developers who had donated heavily to his campaign um, managed to magically get enough doses of the vaccine to vaccinate everybody in their developments. <laughs> there's, a, there's a very interesting home sale pitch, right? Stay in this development, be vaccinated. And, and the reason this actually, I think, is a, a bigger issue than we may think of it night right now is we are thinking of the vaccine in the first pass, right? We're like, this is our first pass on it. We're going to have to get this vaccine frequently. Uh, they don't know what the frequency is, but it's no less than once a year. Uh, it could be as much as every six months. And so there's a lot of work that needs to go into the experience planning and the sort of line management of how to make sure everyone gets the vaccine. And the sort of lackadaisical sort of, you know, come as you may approach that we've had with the flu vaccine uh, for many years. And I've, I'm a uh, ardent flu vacciner. So I've been getting a flu vaccine, I think, probably since I started working uh, when I was uh, 21. Yeah, it's not going to work. We're going to need to have this turned into something else. And that's where I think private sector uh, companies are going to come into play. And that's where customer experience from a private sector standpoint around how vaccine distribution works uh, in the order of literally billions of vaccines a year could be one of the most interesting line management and customer experience challenges on the planet. And you know, how are they gonna read customer feedback? How are they gonna tell when people are not legitimately able to get it? How are they gonna manage uh, informing people it's available? How do they manage stocks and supplies? You know, a couple of these vaccines, the Moderna and Pfizer vaccine are both require very extreme levels of refrigeration. I think Pfizer is minus 50 to minus 80. J and J, while a little hardier, still requires refrigeration, normal refrigeration, but still requires it. But you know, there's not a lot of minus 80 degree freezers just lying around. And so, as we sort of struggle with all these different issues, I actually think some very interesting work and some very interesting papers are going to get written by the likes of people like Walgreens and Walmart, and Publix, and CVS, and all the other companies involved in doing this. And I do think there's a pretty big opportunity to create a really robust experience management practice around vaccinations uh, in these large retail distribution centers. And I'm obviously speaking from an American standpoint here, because that's kind of, those are all American examples. Uh, and there will be different approaches in different countries. But I really do think that's uh, it's a very interesting time. So uh, that was just kind of, that was today. I just, a uh, combination of, you know, grammar day and uh, thinking about the vaccine and seeing what's going on around me is uh, very interesting. I uh, don't know what you think about, what's the social shaming on this? There's lots of different points of view on it. We're all have to get vaccinated at some point. So what does it matter whether we stay in line or not? Or... You know, make sure the people who need it get it first and the people who don't should wait. Interesting schools of thought. So um, that's it for today for the CXM Experience. I'm Grad Khan, and I will see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>